You are now tuned in to episode 63 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I am Scott Sturman, and the guy on my left is Matt Deitch. Matt, how you doing? I am doing awesome. Awesome stuff. Coming off of Bassmaster Classic weekend, so... Absolutely. And it was another great one. Hank Cherry uh, ran her from the beginning to the end. There, yep. No stopping him. Uh, no, it, We'll talk about that later on. Absolutely. Uh, you got out and did a little bit of fishing this last weekend. I got yep. out and did some fishing this last weekend, and... Uh, looks like this might be the end of her map yeah this, especially in this area this here. in part of northwest iowa you know southeastern south dakota southwest minnesota the ice is starting to get pretty dark and it's starting to honeycomb yeah it's probably if you're venturing out anymore it's just you know precautions take you know this is this ice is worse than early season ice because Absolutely. it's not hard anymore it's getting softer so yep. and it changes dramatically just because you got on the ice easy doesn't mean you're going to be able to get off the ice easy right to say oh it changes by the day is one thing it changes by the hour it changes by the minute right so So. you get out there and then all of a sudden you're uh you're gonna have some wet feet on the way back so (laughs) hopefully it's just your feet yeah right (laughs) but uh no we got an interview today doug burns of the iowa guide service over on the uh iowa great lakes uh okaboji spirit lake whatever doug uh kind of you know i think matt you've known doug for quite a while but uh he came on our or came on my radar and and uh well i guess both of us know him uh you know, just uh, just an awesome smallmouth bass fisherman over there on the on the Iowa Great Lakes. Uh, does some walleye fishing. I think he does a little bit of everything. But uh, yep. you know, with Bassmaster Classic Week and uh, you know a guy guy like Doug uh, being an awesome smallmouth bass fisherman, uh, we thought we'd have him on. So we're going to get right over to him. And we're here today with Doug Burns, owner of the Iowa Guide Service. Doug, how you doing? Life is good. Ready for springtime. Yeah, we hear you there. Yeah, I'm. I, I I would like to do one more ice trip. No, nah, yeah. I'm good. The ice can go. Ice can go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't advise it on the ice here. No, um, uh, have, it looked pretty black when I drove around the lake yesterday, and I'm going to say Minnewashta will be open by the end of the week. Really? Yeah. Uh, was there anybody still out fishing? I did not see anybody when I drove around Spirit Lake yesterday. Okay. Um. Huh. Well. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, what, what I'm worried about is is what we're going to get is we're going to get just enough warm weather to tear up all the ice, and then it's going to get cold again, yeah, and then we're going to just sit in limbo. Right, it won't fully melt? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's always a possibility, but um, we're, we're close. Uh, and what I did see driving around Spirit yesterday was... Um, where you could tell wind had changed directions because there was big sheets of ice up on the ramps, so the ice isn't even connected. It's been moving back and forth, ah, okay. um, and that's not a good thing. So, I, if I was you, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't get anywhere over my head. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if I happen to go out, I guess I'm going to have to go north. But uh, no. So, uh, speaking of uh, this last weekend, Doug, did you get a chance to watch Bassmaster Classic at all? I did, um, and it was nice to see it one mainly on a jerk bait because uh, yeah. I love to throw jerk baits. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, and I, he was working it in a very early ice out pattern, um, little snap snap, and a pretty good pause. So, 
anybody that's interested in catching smallmouth and walleye around here early uh, can watch the way he was doing that and get a good clue on a on proper jerkbait technique for cold water. Very cool. Yeah, he's one of the better ones added on the tour. So it was fun, you know, watching that live. And how cool is the bass live that you can sit there and watch these anglers fish and learn so much from doing that? Uh, it is. Um, the bass tournaments have uh, just absolutely grown. Um, I am such an MLF fan now. I still like the Bassmasters, but the, the new product that mlf and bass pro tour is putting out there is really exciting and i wish walleye fishing would catch up i don't know doug <laughs> <laughs> i don't know you are talking to one guy who absolutely hates the mlf format oh uh, well you know they're to each his own i guess yep, different strokes for different folks I don't know um, if you hate the the MLF format as much as you just don't like Boyd Duckett and the way he's kind of conducting the whole business part of it. Right, right. <laughs> I, I I would say that there is uh there 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 might be a little bit more truth to that second part, but yeah, no, yeah. But uh, now now Doug, you we actually, may have to debate that off the air. Yeah, <laughs> right. There's going to be a little too many four letter words. No, no, no. Now, Doug, you actually have some tournament experience, right? I do. I spent seven years out on the national circuits on between in Fisherman's PWT and uh, the North American Walleye Angler Circuit the first couple of years, and then I switched over the PWT. So it was uh, a great experience. I learned a lot about fishing. Um, I can remember my very first. North American Walleye Tournament was on Lake Erie, and three days into the turn or three days into the practice, the bite was terrible, and I sat right out in the middle of Lake Erie and cried and said, "What the hell am I doing here?" <laughs> yeah, I'm sure <laughs> that can make you feel pretty small. I was not ready, um, and uh, but I muddled through and it managed to cash check at one of the four tournaments that year so um it wasn't completely terrible and went on from there so and and you have a couple wins to your to your uh, credit correct nothing on the national level okay um iowa walleye tournament trails okay um and uh six national championships i've fished in six or seven including a couple rcl championships which I was close to, I finished in the top bunch anywhere yeah, out of 250, 270 anglers. I finished, I think, 32nd and 35th, something like that, um, and was sitting in sixth after the first day of the very first RCL. So that got my blood pumping because that tournament was worth 600 grand to win. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah, that would get the old blood pumping. <laughs> yeah. But, you already had a uh, house bought in your dreams, huh? <laughs> uh, well, it was a, I knew it was a iffy thing because it was on Green Bay. We were going out of the Fox River, and I was making an 82-mile run one way to get to my fish. Oh, wow. And uh, day two, I made it about 40 of those miles, and the four-footers, I came around Peshtigo Point, and the four-footers turned into eight-footers. And I went up the first one and came down hard, and my trolling motor 
got jammed and my depth finder broke off and I headed back and couldn't uh couldn't get up to the fish so I got back to the river and couldn't catch enough to make the cut so because it was cut to 12 after two days okay so Scotty Glorvigan ended up winning in the river um fishing below uh the dam there at the pier at the Fox River um and he was casting crankbaits to uh little eddies and mounds right below the dam uh very very good way to fish and um he was smart enough to know that in a four-day tournament he was experienced enough to know in a four-day tournament he probably wasn't going to get out to the lake every day so he had a a plan to fish right in the river and stuck with it and and it paid off big time for him now out of all your years of fishing out there you got to experience a lot of bodies of water which one was probably like one of your favorite ones that you guys fished at uh probably my favorite was fort peck um because it's all fed by mountain water and we were there generally late july or august and the walleyes were still shallow because there's so much cold water coming in there um so you could fish shallow you could one of the ways i did catch a check there and secured the first year that the pwt went to divisions and then you could you only got an invite to um the lower guys only got an invite to the divisions they were open but then to be if you're one of the top 30 guys you were able to move up and fish all six tournaments um and i secured my spot into that top 30 out there um and what i was doing was pulling spinners on these spines long narrow points that stick out and then casting a crankbait at the same time and the the great thing about that was you just never knew when it was going to be an eight or ten pounder right Um, that's that's unusual in a lot of bodies of water except lake erie green bay and that you know that that you can hit those big fish like that and pretty expectedly and you needed a couple of them to to win um so that was a great body of water one of my favorites i haven't been back there since and i'd like to get there malak was a body of water that the first time i went there was for a team walleye tournament a partner tournament this would have been like 94 i think somewhere in there and i went up there and we fished that thing first day out there and there's five six thousand boats out on that lake and nobody's catching any fish it's dead calm and i'm like why in the heck would anybody want to fish this lake ever it's crowded there's no fish biting and each time i went back there i learned a little bit more about it and a little bit more about it and i got to go smallmouth fishing on it with ron Anloff and learned a lot more about it and now i think it's a fantastic lake and would go there anytime i get a chance to um it's just a a marvelous lake and basically one of the lakes i guide on right here spirit lake i call it a mini malac they fish 
they fish so close to each other. The way they're built and put together, the difference is a 5,000-acre lake and a 50,000-acre lake, 10 reefs instead of 100 reefs. Right. But, but they fish the same way. The fish act the same way, have the same movements and patterns and that stuff. So it's also a lake I'm very comfortable on. Very cool. Now, now, you know, with you talking about walleye tournaments, uh, you know, earlier in the day, uh, me and you were texting back and forth, and uh, you talked about, uh, you know, walleye tournaments to bass tournaments. Why do you think walleye tournaments haven't taken off quite the same way as bass tournaments? Because they refuse to change. Um, quite frankly, even when I was fishing walleye tournaments, I found them boring to watch. Uh you want to watch a Lake Erie tournament, you put a camera on the guys in the boat and the rods are stuck in a rod holder, oh, it bent over, there's a fish, and they reel it in. There's there's no action. Um, so they refuse to change that and, and make a, a tournament where you have to cast. Right. To oh, me, right. if you're going to get rid of if you're going to make walleye fishing exciting, they got to move to smaller bodies of water, take away live bait and trolling, put the rod in the angler's hands, and add some excitement. But they also got to be willing to spend some money, and nobody's been willing to spend that money. Nobody's been willing to take the risk that Boyd Duckett and all these guys from Major League Fishing took and put their money up and say, we're going to change it and get away from this pro am format. Also, well, I, right. I, I will excellent. I will agree with you there, and, and you know, an excellent point with Cabela's uh, being the the you know title sponsor for NWT, and now with Boyd uh, owning Cabela's, maybe maybe there will be something that changes. Yeah, um, you the the trolling part is just boring, right? Um, and that is so much. And the reason I say you got to get to smaller bodies of water, uh, there was a, a tournament on, cha- uh, oh, the St. Mary's River. And I was sitting in fifth going into the final day, and my partner, Johnny Gando, we traveled together and were business partners in our marketing company, was in 10th. Well, the PWT did as good a job as they could, but they had two cameras. So they put them with one and two. Well, Johnny made a giant move that final day. He jumped from 10th to 3rd on a motor that was blowing up. I mean, literally had a piston rod out, and he's trying to run around um, at the St. Mary's River up there in the Canadian border in northern Michigan. And he caught a like a 24, 25-pound bag the last day to go from 10th to 3rd, and they never got any of that on film. So mm-hmm. with these giant bodies of water that they want to fish, they can't cover it with two cameras. Right. You know, you, the Bass Masters, they got helicopters running around out there. They got drones running around out there. They've got six, eight, ten cameras in different boats. Um, they've, they've got the coverage. 
golf is exciting, tennis is exciting, individual sports like that because they can cover the action. In the walleye game, they're, nobody has been willing to spend the money to cover the action, to take that risk, to make it exciting. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's disappointing. No, uh, you, you definitely bring up some solid points. Right. I, I've never really thought about the fact of just having a, you know, like, yeah, no trolling. Make it more like a bass tournament and do some casting with it. Because, yeah, when you, you think of walleye, can, uh, when you think of walleyes, you think of trolling a lot of the times. Right. Um, and and it is the last thing I think of. It's the last, it's, I do it out of it is needed in walleye fishing. Right. Don't get me wrong. No, oh, yeah. I spend a, I spend a lot of time trolling, um, but to fish on my own, I don't ever troll. Right. Um, but that's why I also say that the smaller bodies of water, you, you're going to have to cherry pick them to when the fish are there at the right times. But you can still hit your Malax and your Winnebago's, and um, if you can get to the catch and release part, catch weigh and release now aim has tried it with their catch photo and release but they've never been able to get it really um off because they never again they never spent the money that's a lot of it money drives everything as we were talking earlier about equipment scott um but if you get to some smaller waters you can cover it better um and you can time it right to where the fish are in the right areas right if you went to erie in late april any time in april you still got two to seven pound male walleyes on the reefs just crawling all over the reefs that you can catch on jerk baits you can catch on blade baits you can catch on jigs and there's enough reefs out there that, that you would make a great show doing that um when the walleyes are up on the reefs on Malak. Green Bay has been won the last few times with casting things. Right. Casting um, ripping wraps and jigging wraps and shiver minnows and that kind of thing. So it's possible to do. Um, no, but you, have to, you, you aren't a fan of the weigh-ins afterwards? You, you'd prefer to have no weigh-ins? Um. It takes out so many. It takes out bodies of water, um, and no, I'm not a fan of weigh-ins because, quite frankly, people don't come out to them. I, I fished enough PWT tournaments. It's the same family members there every time. Um, there's maybe a hundred people there from the community. Um, now the. The show we had for the PWT championship was pretty big, not Bassmaster Classic big, but we filled a decent arena up in Bismarck. Um, but now you're talking about transporting fish 50, 60 miles from their homes. Um, I don't care what they say. That's tough on mortality. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it I've, definitely um, takes a toll. And... Uh, I like the just get them back. And one of the things I like about the MLF is that every fish counts. Um, the the classic yesterday, there was how many fish caught after noon that never counted, yet they were decent fish. 
Yeah. And it it seems like every fish above your standard, and I'm glad they went to that two pound standard um, this year, counts. And I and I think that's how you with the with the five fish format. If you bomb the first day, you can't come back. When you shouldn't be able to, in my personal mm-hmm. opinion. I'm not going to um, lie I mean, Hank Terry it, just won a tournament by, by smoking them on the first day. I okay. Mean, and maintaining. Um, yeah. But if, if you get shut out the first quarter, first half of football game, you can still come back like the Chiefs did in the Super Bowl. Okay. So that adds excitement. Well, and, and if you, get, you can... If you get shut out in a tournament, you... You can't come back. There's not enough time to do it. Oh well, yeah, you can. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, you know, anybody could have had the opportunity to go out on Gunnersville and and catch, you know, five eight pound bass, and they'd have been right back in the tournament. They couldn't do it. That's, um, you know, you, you got to be rewarded. Yeah. Well. Uh, Agree to disagree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess, like then, we will continue to have both formats in the bass tournament. But to the to the walleye and things, they got to find a way to um, put some excitement in it. And uh, well, there's no doubt about a, that. And get a fan base again. And they're not they're not getting that um, with uh, with the format they have. And they have no the TV and media coverage is is poor. When I was fishing in the late '90s through the early 2000s. There was newspaper coverage. There was magazine coverage. Um, if you knew how to work it, you could set up to have writers and stuff with you in your boats and practice and that. And there's not enough media coverage on it now to keep people informed and excited about it. So they, I think they have a big hurdle right now to... Uh, to add some excitement to the walleye game. Do you I think? It, can, I hope they can get it done. Do you think it has anything to do because walleyes are predominantly caught up here in the upper Midwest, and you know they're not caught down in Florida? Whereas bass, you know, you can catch bass in every state in the U.S. Def- I, oh, definitely. definitely. You know, the, um, the, you always got that. You know, that's a that's a tough hurdle to cl- uh, climb over. You know. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, that that is is a hurdle, but you can still um, you can still make that show exciting. Right. I can watch a redfish tournament, and we don't have any of those to catch here. Yep, yep, yeah. you're right. right. I mean, yep. it, you oh, yeah. know, a fisherman just wants sea fish being caught. Right. Now, I can't watch a marlin tournament and watch them drag baits around. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> no I mean. Doubt. No doubt. That, that bores me to death. Um, so, it's just a matter of of getting that i really think what they need to do is two things basically get the rod in the guy's hand and take the amateur out of it uh a little story from a sakakawea tournament my amateur partner and you you lose fish it happens everybody does it but he had lost four big ones already that day well I had to make a comfort stop here in the middle of the tournament, so I had him up running the trolling motor, and he says, oh, I got a big one, and I turn around, and I got my rain pants down around my ankles, (laughs) and uh, 
I look up to him, and the rod is just doubled over. Big fish on. And he reaches toward the back of the boat. We're trolling forward. He reaches toward the back of the boat and tries to hand me the rod. All the slack goes in the line. Another fish lost. Um, and it's just to put a professional livelihood into right. an amateur's hands yep. is, is a tough pill to swallow. I've also had some amateurs that totally outfished me and I learned from. Don't get me wrong, there's some of them out there that are good, but it shouldn't, a professional tournament shouldn't be in, shouldn't be decided by a co-angler partner. Right, your livelihood is depending on it. Yeah, and then the, and this is a really big thing for me, uh, and it was when I was fishing the team Fishing and walleye fishing is just absolutely out of control. Okay. We have teams of 7, 10, 12 anglers out there, all sharing prize money, all sharing information. And you, it should be an individual tournament. The bass guys um, aren't allowed to share information. They can't even talk to each other in their hotel rooms about what they did. Right. Um, at least on the MLF, I I think that on Bassmasters it's a little more lenient. But yeah, I think they changed some they, of it the last few years. Yep. Yeah, but they're not allowed to collect information beforehand about the right. water that they go to. And you have these teams that have whole teams of people pre-fishing tournament waters for them. So when they get there, they already know where to be looking. Yeah, that's absolutely not right. No, it's horrible, yep. and it's been prevalent in the walleye industry forever, and they won't they won't do anything about it. Um, so it makes it really tough for a new guy if he doesn't isn't tied in with one of these teams to even get started in the business. Oh, for sure, have any chance of winning um, or making a decent dollar out there. So that's my soap opera part. Or soapbox part of this interview. <laughs> no, well, they well even a few years ago when Edwin Evers won his classic that year down in Oklahoma, he was fishing and somebody from the bank yelled something like he was doing like he was leading it or something like that off a bass track, and he even freaked out about it like and was asking like no I don't like he told him right away don't tell me anything don't tell me anything like and he was right. worried that he might have violated you know the rules of getting information and stuff like that so yeah yeah you can. You can do it without, I mean, so you're sitting at the dock waiting to launch your boat. Right. And two guys are talking to you, and they say, you know, we got out yesterday, and we smoked him in Cherry Creek. Right. What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, And and in MLF, they actually recently had that, and uh, it was whoever was winning it. I I, I don't even remember who it was, but uh, they – somebody told them you know well so and so's catching them on this and they ended up having to radio all the marshals in those boats and the marshals had to tell all the anglers hey just letting you know so and so's catching them on this because you know if one person got the information they all needed the oh, information yeah. so cool that's yeah. nice i hadn't heard that piece of information that's yeah. a good deal yeah. right and that's uh, right i mean uh, keeping yep. it a level playing field yep right um so it's uh I, I enjoyed the tournaments 
I got tired of the travel and being away from home. Um, but there is that rush of tournament morning, that first morning of are they still going to be where I found them, or are you going to yeah, be the first one there? Them, right. Can I find them? Can I find them since I didn't in practice? <laughs> right. Yep. Now and I got to scramble and. I I would also if I had if I had my way if I was grand poopaw of tournaments there would never be a practice day in a tournament. Yeah, that'd be right. interesting. Everybody comes out to a fresh body of water and yep, just got to go out there and break it down on the fly, and you just got to fish. That's who. That's how you find out who the best is. Right. Not, uh, um, you know, now the Bassmasters they shut up. They get it day off in front of the classic and i think a day off in front of um between the last practice day and even an elite series tournament i don't think but it's still not the same they've got an idea right um, right but i i would have no practice um and then you can all of a sudden you could fish a lot more tournaments too yeah yep. right right let's see you know uh, i think that's what i liked about the old format of the mlf when it was just a tv show where they right. would show the guy, they would show up, and the guys wouldn't even know what lake they're at, and which they 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 bring they, them there, they bring them there, and then they have like a period where they could drive around for a little bit just to kind of get a lay of the lake, and then they would, you know, here we go, and then you start that was off. My, that was my favorite. Yes, I right. was I was a little disappointed when the Bass Pro Tour said they were going to give them a day and a half of practice. I, right. I wanted them to, um, especially things how now they're going back to the same big lakes that most uh, many of them have fished anyway so they they really didn't need to practice um, right right they know uh, those lakes yeah uh one of the i believe it was jason christie or brian Erler, one of the two i don't remember for exactly for sure but he said something i found really interesting he said i go to a lake i've been to 10 times i wipe out every waypoint i have I start completely fresh. I don't want to think about what happened before. Right. Yeah, Fishing history. Up, yep. Yeah, you get caught up yeah. on it. Yep. And that, that's an unusual um, thing for for a pro to do. Oh, right? for right. sure. Right. They, um, they're better at leaving things behind, but a lot of them have waypoints from different times of year, different water levels and stuff, so they're still... They try to put those waypoints together with the conditions for now, but they still um, are thinking about those waypoints uh, where he didn't want anything to do with any of them. He just wanted to start fresh. Right. And that is a, a difficult thing for most anglers to do, and one of the things why most anglers don't catch fish on a regular basis because they aren't willing to start over yeah, um, I, I believe that yeah yeah uh it's and i you know i'm on the water 150 days a year um i often start the last place i caught fish but that's usually yesterday not a month and a half ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> <right>. exactly <laughs> exactly no so no that Doug, makes a big difference no you you mentioned there you're on uh you're on the lake uh, 150 days a year because uh, you run a guide service over on the Iowa Great Lakes. Tell us a little bit about uh, the uh, Iowa Guide Service. Uh, how long you been doing that? I've 
had the Iowa Guide Service since 1993, but I've been here on the Iowa Great Lakes since 1999. Um, I started guiding up on Lake of the Woods in 1986, so I've been, this will be my 35th year in the fishing industry. Um, So I guide here on what we call the Iowa Great Lakes, uh, which gets a real laugh out of some of my friends from Lake Michigan and yeah. Lake Erie yeah. and, and that. but It's uh, the best we got. It, it's it's a chain of five lakes that includes Spirit Lake, East, West Okoboji, Minnewashta, Upper and Lower Gar. Uh, so I guess that's actually six lakes. Uh, and they're, they are phenomenal fisheries. Uh, East and, or I mean, Okoboji and Spirit Lake have both been in the top 50 Bass Lakes considered by Bassmaster Magazine uh, a couple of different times. Yep. We have uh, good bass fishing. The DNR does a wonderful job of keeping the walleye well-stocked. Some of the best bluegill fishing in the anywhere. Right. Um, they get big. They're plentiful. Um, this year, the perch fishing has been very good. Our crappie fishing has come back strong, um, so I provide a full service. Everything is included for fishing. All you have to show up with is license for anybody that's over 16, sunscreen, appropriate clothing, and a small cooler with whatever drinks or snacks that you want. Um, if you're going to have a beer or two, please keep it to a minimum. You know, you're not out there to get hammered. You're there to go fishing and have a good time. Right. right. But, they got a party uh, barge for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, I offer both half and full days. I'm the only guy on the lake that offers a full day that includes shore lunch, uh, where we go catch fish in the morning and go up on shore, cook fresh fish and potatoes and beans. Uh, people love it. I learned how to do that up at Lake of the Woods when I guided up there, and it's a wonderful meal. People really enjoy to get out and stretch their legs a little bit. Then we go back out for the afternoon and catch a few more fish, and off you go until the next time. Absolutely. Now, now you do all species for uh, with your guide service, correct? Uh, yeah, I do not muskie fish. Um, I, I don't do that anymore because what I found is people say they want to catch a muskie, but they don't want to put in the work. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Four, um, forecasts in, and they can't figure out why they haven't got one yet. Are we ever going right. to catch one yeah. here or what? Yeah. Yeah, and so what I found is I end up with a, a boat full of muskie equipment that's in the way because they say, well, can we go catch a fish now? Right. And yeah. then, I, then I'm scrambling. Um, for two hours to try to put something together and you can't always put it together in two hours um so i i just i just don't do the the musky guiding anymore um but other than that yep i offer it all i don't do catfish guiding we do have big catfish over here and i get requests for that about four times a year but uh i don't do that also other than that pretty much ready to go but i i try to uh to kind of walk through a season. Now, as soon as the ice goes out here, 
phenomenal smallmouth fishing. Uh, if you ever want to catch a five-pound smallmouth, the first month after ice out is time to get it done. Right. Um, so up until walleye opener, which is always the first weekend in May, I'm smallmouth fishing, except for the smaller little pothole lakes that we have around here, and we have a number of them. Um, I'm not going to name all of them, but there's a number of small pothole lakes around here that the DNR stocks on a regular basis, and I do will target walleye on those. Um, one that I will mention that's a ways for me, but I may go down there a little this year because they had a good winter. I may hit Storm Lake a little bit this year. I think it's going to be a good year down there. So if somebody's looking for an early walleye trip, that's a good one to take. Um, but most of my stuff in May or in April is, is smallmouth fishing because I just love them, as I know Matt does. Oh, yeah. Catching those big bronze beauties, and they just bite so hard. I just ordered blade baits today. Uh, <laughs> so after, after walleye opener, then May and most of June is walleye fishing. Uh, that's probably my most requested fishing. Uh, so I'm, I'm hard after those in May and June, uh, July and August is full board tourist season where I have a lot of mom, dad, and two kids. We do a lot of bluegill fishing. Um, it's great. We run into the schools of the big yellow bass sometimes. They're a lot of fun. And the summer largemouth fishing here, July and August, fantastic. Yep. Uh, you can catch a lot of fish and a lot of big fish. Um, Six-pounders, I won't say, are happen every day, but they're not unusual. Right. I'm, I'm not surprised by one. Uh, Four-pounders, five-pounders, quite a few of those. Uh, and then as we get into September, the walleye fishing fires up real good again. Actually, the last two weeks of August and into September and October, and I'm back into heavy smallmouth fishing and and walleye fishing those times. So that's kind of the progression of the season. Um, late late August into September, the perch fishing also fires up real good. So that's kind of the season. You can find all the information on me. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at the Iowa Guide Service. Uh, my website is fishandfunokaboji.com. That's fish, the letter N, funokaboji.com. And that's easy ways to find me and, and catch up. There's plenty of pictures on there. Um, all the information on the trips that I offer is on the website. Uh, there's prices on my Facebook page. So those are the ways to find me. Do you still do the like weekly kind of reports that you always did on there too? No. Facebook has kind of taken over. I was going to say kind of the social media. You kind of keep it up to date yep. though what the bite's like and yeah. About um, recent trips and everything. I, I don't, you know, I don't give away all the secrets on right. Facebook because then people don't need me. 
And then, believe me, I've been taken to task a couple times by people that have said, well, why won't you tell us what you're catching them on and where you're catching them? <laughs> well, because this uh, is my job. <laughs> that it, that's part of it, but it's also unfair to my customers. Right. I mean, it's... Tell, tell them um, you'll tell them for a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, if I, you know, now I want people to catch fish. If I see somebody at the boat ramp, going out and how'd you do blah 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 hey looks like you had a good day yeah well can you how'd you catch him where'd you catch him you're not going to get none of this oh i caught him in the mouth ha 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 um i'll tell you if the fish are on rocks in 10 foot of water i'll go ahead and let them know that yep but i'm not going to tell them what rock Exactly. I mean, you got to go out there and find them, and but yeah, here's if, a general if idea. Out in the, if they're out in the basin, you know, hey, they're out in twenty feet of water in the mud. Um, you just got to go out and find them. Don't fish till you see them on your depth finder. You know, right? Um, if you want to know more than that, well, then yes, you're going to have to pay the piper. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Now, now with open water uh, coming here in the next short while. Uh, once you finally do get your boat out and you start chasing some of these smallmouth bass, uh, what are some of the things that you are looking for? You know, where where's a good starting point? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, what juice are you willing to spill here? Rocky points. Um, they're going to be near their wintering holes. So any rocky point it, that it has access to deep water, yep. that's that's the first place you're going to come in contact them contact with them so if if they can get from six eight feet to 20 feet without having to swim more than 30 yards you'll find them now it won't be on every rocky point you may have to fish six of them before you find them but when you find that one you're probably going to find 20 yeah that's the nice thing about that part of this time of the year the most i've ever gone was 14 cast in a row with a fish on oh wow (laughs) i only landed 11 of them but i i went 14 in a row with with a fish on um because they're bunched up and uh those are the things to that you're going to look for and that doesn't matter whether it's west okaboji or spirit lake um Either either one of those, that's what you're gonna you're gonna look for for those smallmouth. And walleye season's not open, right? Right. But you're gonna have some fun with those walleyes at the same time because right. they're in there. Um, and if they bite, you have to reel them in to unhook them. So, what's a guy to do? Right. Well, exactly. <laughs> you can't control what's biting down there. Right. So, try. right. You're not you're not targeting them then, but you have to release them. So you have to reel them in to do that. So because they, I um, mean, they'll bite a lot of the similar baits that a smallmouth will bite. I mean, there's uh, a lot of times you catch them. Yeah, what, they're grouped up. When you're walleye fishing, you catch a lot of smallmouths because uh, there are similar baits. You know. Yeah, a, uh, a friend of mine on Facebook here a couple weeks ago said something about Doug Burns probably knows five six methods of catching walleye that I've never even thought about. <laughs> and when I quit fishing walleye tournaments. I started fishing more bass for fun because I was tired of trolling. I pulled bottom bouncers from here to Maine and back. 
okay? So I wanted to cast, and I started paying more attention to walleye fishing, or I mean to bass fishing. The more I bass fished, the better walleye fisherman I became. Right. Ain't that crazy. Yep, because I learned that walleye fishing isn't all finessing a jig or finessing a leech around the bottom. That they are top end predators, yep. and you can fish for them fast and aggressive, just like you do a bass. Huh. And and it's a lot more fun. Um, I watched Kevin Van Dam down at uh, Dardanelle, I think, or you follow one of the two. Um, just ripping, I mean, ripping that jerk bait as hard as he could over the top of the weeds, catching bass like crazy. And won a tournament, and I said, well, heck, we got good weed beds here. I'm going to go out and catch some bass that way. And I went out to Cottonwood Point on Spirit Lake and started ripping that jerk bait. and man, did I catch fish. The first six of them were all three-pound walleyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't your plan, but you got supper, so... <laughs> um, yeah, well, no, I didn't say. Well, yeah, I could have kept some. I could have kept one of those because that was before the slot. Um, but uh, it just—it's just one of those things that um, I—I've learned more ways to catch walleye by bass fishing than I ever did by walleye fishing. Right. Um, so that and people forget that or don't think about that because they've been taught that walleye are finesse fish and it's just not the case so um but that that ice out period of if if you can be on the water the day the ice goes off the lake and it's not windy that is the best day of the year to catch smallmouth now like what are you looking like as far as like that time of year obviously jerk baits probably moved real slow you talked about blade baits and you know hair jig is always a big big one for smallmouths when it's right ice out are those some yep. of the like te- the techniques that you're thinking and like where does that correlate with the water temp at this time of the year when the ice comes off usually it's going to be right around 40 <laughs> which seems weird you'd think it would be 34 but usually it's 38 to 41 degrees when when you first get the boat on the water um, that first day. Even even days when I've seen, when I've been chased off the lake, like in 2012, we had a very, that's the earliest I've ever been out was March 14th. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because the geese kept a hole open all year up there on Spirit. And then we got some 80-degree weather, and it just opened up the whole north end. I could fish all the way down to Red Nose. It was all open. Well, I could see guys two miles off of Marble Beach ice fishing. <laughs> and they weren't and they were foolish. They were completely on safe ice. Right. It's just that the geese had kept um, the that open. So, But anyway, we're, we're fishing again on Cottonwood. Um, and catching smallmouth like crazy, and all of a sudden the wind picked up out of the south, and I see some ice flow coming from the north, <laughs> from the south north. And I said, "Pete, we got to go." And he says, "What do you mean we're catching fish?" I said, "Yeah, well, 
we put in at Minnewaukan, and if that ice blow gets to Minnewaukan ramp before we do, we're, we're not getting the boat on the trailer. <laughs> we're ice so, fishing. Yeah. <laughs> we we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> he said, oh, I never thought of that. So yeah. you do have to be aware. But that water was still 40 degrees dead, even with half the lake frozen. Oh, that's so crazy. It warms up. It warms up pretty quick. Um, and the first thing I usually throw um, is a jerk bait because I love catching fish on a jerk bait. But if the water, like last year, was dirty in the springtime, yeah, it was. Uh, so then I was then it was more blade baits and jigs. Um, if you don't have it, at least two feet, and I like, I really think three feet is the minimum uh, for a good jerk bait bite. If you can't see your jerk bait three feet down, throw something else. Yep. Because that's a visual bite. Um, throw something that's got some vibration to it, a blade bait or a, a jig with a little paddle tail or um, that stupid Ned rig. I don't know why it catches fish. It does, it catches, Jeez, that's a fish catching thing. Um, <laughs> that's one it, of those things, too. Like somebody just said, I'm going to throw one of these out here one time and see how it works. And it's taken off. Yeah. Well, Ned Keedy was the yeah. guy that yeah. um, came up with it. And uh, it's it's an amazing an amazing bait to look at it, and you don't do anything with it. <laughs> you know, right. make you it, just you, leave it sit. You just drag it around. Yeah. And uh, and if you feel any weight at all, pull back and see if it pulls back. Exactly um, right. So, but boy, if you're not fishing them, you're you behind. are missing out on a yep. lot of fish. Uh, and that it's become a a go to for me any time of the year. Yep. Um, for I I didn't I haven't fished them on the deep weed lines. Have you guys on west to see if they'll bite them then? Not the deep deep stuff, but up in the shallows a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that's the only place I have it because I'm pretty much a believer in bigger is better when the yep when you get out there but there might there are days cold front days where it it may be it just seems like it'd be hard for them to find and all that wheat growth out there right uh so i haven't i haven't fished them but other than that um that's a fish catching machine so those are the things i look at uh hair jigs a little bit on those love catching them i fish braided line 99 percent of the time for um with a jig, uh, whether it's a Ned rig or a jigging plastic for walleye. But when it comes to hair jigs, I fish monofilament only. Really? Because I think braid overpowers that hair jig. Oh, yeah. You, you, you cannot make your movement small enough with braided line because it has no stretch that anything you do makes that hair jig move too much so with mono there's so much more stretch and it it gives that hair much more life um and and the slow movement that you want so that's the one time i'm still using monofilament line and hair jigs are fantastic uh but you have to you have to have a good touch and a good rod yeah, that's that's very interesting. I didn't, I, you know, 
I, I know Rick Clun still throws a lot of monofilament. He he was talking a while back about how much monofilament he still does throw mm-hmm. on a lot of different stuff, but. I would give anything to sit and talk with Rick Clun for oh, a day. Yeah. No doubt about that, huh? <laughs> He yeah. has one of the most interesting minds in fishing. Yeah, know? and I, I think um, if you could get him off a of stage, I think he'd really be a lot of fun to sit and talk with. But when he's up there on the stage, he's he's pretty much all business. Yeah, um, he he says. I mean, I have. We all talk about, and you listen to the other pros talk about matching this rod to this presentation, this rod to this. He says, "I fish one rod." Yeah, they're all the same. Because then I know exactly what it's going to feel like all the time. I don't have to wonder it, this and that, and it's just a completely different mentality. And I and to, it makes some sense. Now I don't I don't do it, but it makes sense. He's just a very interesting mind in fishing. Um, yeah. And the other one that's interesting is Aaron Martin's. It's just that Aaron's brain doesn't put sentences together very well so it's harder to track yeah, ain't that fine. the truth <laughs> yeah. you've yeah. got too many giggles and laughs in there and and the sentences don't get finished so right. um a, a conversation between those two would be something to listen to i think they would just stare at each other <laughs> probably <laughs> so oh. anyway yeah um, no doug before we let you go though uh aside from Poles and bait. If you were to hop in the boat with three things, three or three things that you could never forget, what would you pick? Ooh, three things. Sunglasses. Yeah. Good call. Um, a good pair of sunglasses you got to have. Um, Diet Pepsi. <laughs> gotta have, have some, yeah. <laughs> and some beef jerky. <laughs> what? No, beef jerky's. Uh, if I was going for food, it'd be Hostess Donuts. You haven't you've seen me? Um, <laughs> hey, me and you, it's sitting eat donuts yeah. all day long. Yeah. I'm fine with that. And, um, let's see. The third thing that I, you know, this this would be in the boat, but one of the things that has changed my viewpoint a little bit, it used to be, it used to be, I have, I would have said sonar, you got to have sonar, but I think the way mapping has become, right. I could almost fish with mapping before. If you gave me a choice between mapping and sonar now, I might have to take mapping. Right. It, it'd be really close to make that decision because with the, with today's modern mapping, I can fish so many more spots than I could when I had to find them with sonar. Yeah, I believe that. And I'm a very aggressive fisherman. We, we'll pull up to a spot uh, and make six casts, and I'll say, let's go. And, and people, we, we made six casts. I said, yeah, and we didn't get a bite. If they're here and we're doing the right thing, because we've caught fish already today doing what we're doing. So I know we're doing the right thing. If they were here, they would have bit. So why stay? Let's go. You know what you're dealing with. So that's right. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I have heard. That was the first cast. That's the biggest fish of the day. That's the first cast on this spot. I say, yep. 
most often the biggest fish is going to come on the first cast or the first couple yep. because the big fish eat first. Offensive linemen eat first. <laughs> I Get out eat of the first. Way. <laughs> Get out of the way, quarterback. Yeah. Me, and, me and Matt go to Pizza Ranch. I eat <laughs> first. Scott always eats first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, so be ready on that first cast. Yep. Don't be surprised. Uh, that's, that's another mistake, or I shouldn't maybe shouldn't call it a mistake, but one of the common things I see people are surprised by a bite, so they miss that bite. Don't be surprised by a bite. Right. Expect it, be ready for it, anticipate. I figure every moment my lure is in the water, I am expecting a bite. So I'm ready for it when it happens and I can have and I can do the right thing when it happens. Right. Well, hopefully we're not going to have to wait too much longer to do that. Uh, right. You know, I think uh, you, you. I think you had even wrote on Facebook. You're thinking within the next ten days, uh, you'll have the until boat I out drove, on the water. And until I drove around the lake yesterday, and then I, I was unhappy. Okay, <laughs> so we'll stretch it out and, to fifteen days. <laughs> yeah, and the and one other thing, um, I will be doing a seminar over at Oak Hill Outdoor on the twenty first at the Quest for the Net. Awesome. Um. And I just posted on Facebook today, up until that time of that seminar, well, through that day of that seminar, I'll be ten, doing 10% off on any May guide trips. Okay, so very cool. You want to book a guide trip for May, uh, you got till the 21st to get 10% off on that. Absolutely. Well, listeners, get her done. Yep. If you want to catch big smallmouths, get yep. a hold of Doug. Yep, Absolutely. Well, Doug, uh, we really appreciate you uh, swinging in and uh, chatting with us, and hopefully uh, we see you out on the lake uh, hooked into a big old smallie. You will see me. I'll be the same boat I had the last couple of years. So Awesome. Say howdy. All right, will do. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. See ya. Bye. And there he goes, Doug Burns of the Iowa Guide Service over on the Iowa Great Lakes. Yeah, definitely get a hold of him if you want to. If you're looking to chase early season smallmouths right after ice out, Doug is one of the better, the best ones over there. You know, Absolutely. He's constantly year in and year out seems to be on a good early season smallmouth bite and some big ones too at that yeah absolutely he hooks them and uh yeah especially right now get yourself 10 percent off yeah and, that's uh, an awesome deal get over there because it, it it's coming i it, right well like i said unless uh it's one of those years where we're gonna have just enough warm weather to wreck the ice and then we're gonna get cold again and but once it starts that's the thing with ice like doug said once it starts coming off it it goes Right. You know, because we get a day where the shorelines are opening up and then you get some wind and that water starts to move a little bit. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what like East Lake is like there between that and Upper Gar where that water is always open. We had some windy days. I mean, I think Upper Gar is open up pretty good. I think Kobe Van Beek had his boat out there the yeah. other day. So. I, di- I didn't see a fish pick. So I'm No, he didn't catch anything that day. But, is that what he said? Yeah. Okay. But he got to get out there and do a little casting. So right. no jealous. Well, you got to do a little fishing this last weekend. Uh, yeah, snuck out, went over to Lake Pahoya, just a local lake here. Uh, just wanted to see what it was like. We didn't have school that day, and you got on them. Yeah, you know it wasn't too bad. I drilled some holes over in the little spot where we always like to go, and there's a few other guys out on the lake on different side, and I went over on my own, and you know, 
kind of cautiously went out there because like i said the ice wasn't looking great but it wasn't but it was all right i mean it was definitely soft and you know yep. having fit when we were out in the black hills you're drilling through those all that hard ice and it's like going yep. and going over at lake Poy, i started drilling and it's just like kind of like you kind of sink the auger sinks in while you're going and all since like okay you're going then this is like boom you're right through and you're just like whoa okay you're right but uh yeah i got into first hole i dropped down in dropped the vexlar in it was lit up and nice yeah they were all the way all over in the water column it was kind of fun you kind of get actually the closer you got to the bottom the, you couldn't get the bites that you had really? to bring it up i had mean to there be was on the top huh? there was times where i was in 14 foot of water and i set the hook and the fish was in the hole really yeah they're coming right up to the bottom of the ice chasing it so. crazy well you got some bluegills that uh, that one was on a 10 inches yeah and, one was pretty one was nine and three quarters it was getting nice. close to that 10 inch mark so it was fun to catch and release those big ones absolutely right it was just nice to get out last day of the year. It yep. was a beautiful day. You got up to South Dakota with some of the guys. I so. did. I did. Uh, me and uh, my brother, Tanner Vogel, Adam Top, Mike uh, Freeze, uh, Eric Selkin, and then a couple guys uh, from up there in South Dakota, we all met up. We stayed at a cabin on Camp Pesca, and uh, on our way up there, we uh, fished out on Lake Ponset. Um we ended up uh, having to grind and move around for a little while, but we finally did get into a spot. And uh, the three of us that were there fishing, we all managed uh, a limit of walleyes. We didn't get into any of the perch, but uh, we got some walleyes, got a couple bonus crappies, uh, some catfish, some pretty good-sized catfish. And uh, the next day we went north, uh, kind of struck out up there. We kind of bounced around, uh, you know, didn't didn't really get what we were looking for. and. Ended up going back down to Lake Ponset, trying to do the same thing, and we all had our opportunities. Uh, I lost two at the hole, missed a few other ones, and just didn't really happen. And uh, yeah, that I don't know. The the on Sunday on our way back down, we ended up stopping on a real shallow kind of sloughy lake, and uh, we ended up getting into some pretty good perch. Uh, not a ton of them not many at all to tell you the truth but uh we did get a few perch and uh that felt good you know i mean you go up there uh, i think i caught i don't know was that a striped bass or a white bass white bass white bass so i caught a white bass caught a few catfish caught some walleye caught uh caught some perch you know it's just kind of the bag. south dakota slam yeah <laughs> you never know <laughs> that's what, what i'm gonna call it. that did somebody so. catch a bullhead too uh, tanner did catch so. a bullhead i mean we're yeah. just if we were on 39 hours we would have just been you guys have been up. going crazy yep no, <laughs> no that was a lot of fun but uh how was the ice conditions up in that area you know there was a big difference uh when when we were up uh in the webster well wabe area you know whatever uh you know up there there was actually still a little bit of snow on the ice the ice was hard whatever you get down by ponset and it was a totally different story yeah. there was a lot of slush slush pockets on the ice and uh yeah, it was, it was a, there was a big difference there, but, uh, yeah, that's, you know, just an hour in between them and, you know, the temperature and whatever, uh, Ponset does have, uh, you know, it's got to flow out of it, yeah. you know, so it all makes a big difference, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I got a feeling that that's going to be my last ice fishing extravaganza for the year, but, um, yeah, that, yeah it is I, what it is. You know, like we, we did s- good. Yeah. You can't argue with that. That's why I looked at it too. Went out on at the end of the year and caught some nice quality fish and had a good day out there. So I think I can be satisfied with the ice season being over and right being ready for open water season. Like I said, we just you just got to be safe out there on that ice this time of year. You know, not only are you putting yourself in danger 
in some of those conditions you're putting the people that need to come out there if they do need to do a rescue or something like that uh and that's a i think that's the thing that people kind of forget about right. like you know oh, i'm not worried about it well guess what you know there's there's some other people i gotta come out and rescue your dumb ass if you, right <laughs> yeah yeah you sorry never, about that you don't want to have to like we said you, it just it's funny how fast it will change i mean i saw one of the bait shops over there at the lakes they did a little video the other day and he drilled a hole halfway down, didn't even go all the way through, and sat Started there and talked. Up. And by the time he was done talking, I mean, he might have drilled about six inches down, is it? By the time he was done talking in the little less than a minute clip, it was full of water. Because when, that's when the ice honeycombs, you know, right. it's going through itself. And Well, when we were out on Ponset the one day, I drilled a hole and I looked over and uh, started having one of those toilet oh, bowl yeah. deals. And, you know, it's yeah. like, all right, this is going and she's going fast. So. Yep. So, you know, it's time to everybody start getting the boats all ready to go, get all that gear. If you're putting new line on your reels, start doing that. Yeah. Uh, Unless, of course, you're from North Dakota or Northern or Minnesota. Or up in Northern Minnesota yeah, or something like that here. or Northern Wisconsin. Yeah, you guys got some time. You'll be, I think my brother and some of those guys are heading up to Lake of the Woods this coming weekend. So They got room? And then, well, I'm sure they got room if you want to go. <laughs> oh, you ain't going? I can't. Uh, I, I ain't going neither. <laughs> No. Nope. Yeah, Mike would say that you're probably big time in the Yeah, so. the whole big league. Uh, Mike <laughs> and Buddy should get together. That's who should get together. But no, well, we we kind of you know we talked to Doug about the Bassmaster Classic. Uh, you know, it was a it, it was it was a good tournament. Uh, you know, one thing that I will say we we won't bore all you guys with a ton of Bassmaster Classic stuff here, but uh, um, one thing I will say is, you know, last year, you know, the first year between the separation of MLF and Bassmaster, it just seemed like everything went Bassmaster's way. Right. You know, like all the tournaments, they freaking caught them everywhere. You know, the weather was perfect. You know, the the storylines of, you know, how people were winning and everything, it just seemed like it, it just favored Bassmaster so much. This year, you know, they go down to the St. John's River. They have a tough tournament. Then they have to reschedule because of weather. Then you get the, you know, the Bassmaster Classic here, and there was absolutely no drama to be had, you know, between the fishing. Uh, you know, the, the guy uh, yeah. who goes out to the early lead just kind of hammers them but, the whole entire time. It, it, but it was still the, I don't know, the suspense was there just because of the fact of what happened to Hank Cherry back in 2013. Right. He lost a fish, and you know, I think a lot of people, myself included at times, were waiting for the the wheels to fall off the bus, you know, and him to miss a fish and, you know, get frustrated and let that eat at him and not keep focusing and be and able to get his... He did lose a couple Sunday yes, morning. he did. And he said Paul Mueller said something interested to him, like said something about, you know, the devil's going to try to get in your boat, just kick him out of there. You ain't got time for that. Ain't that cool? And he said after he missed that one, he was just like, I ain't got time for this. You know, I've got to... <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. Right. <laughs> right. And it is It's just cool how one, like, competitor to right. another competitor can just say something like that and it can kind of have a big impact on the person. So... Yeah, very cool. You know, and that's the thing about jerk break fishing. You lose a lot of fish and he knows that and yep. he's over, able to overcome it. Right. Couple shakeups in the uh, Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing. Uh, yeah. Uh, last week's winner is uh, now down towards, well, not, not down towards the bottom, but he lost a few spots. Uh, we got Nate Hagen, and I think Nate Hagen's from Missouri. 
Okay. Not 100% sure on that, but uh, he's up. He, he had, had a heck a, of a tournament. 1,400 points, and I don't know if that's a perfect score or what. but He might have had every, everybody out of every pool, like the top guy ever, I think out of did. every pool. I think he did. He absolutely smashed it. I mean, he blew. I think he had the top three guys, I think, right, or something it like could that. Be. So. He, it was amazing. But, uh, no, uh, yeah, so we had that. Uh, Brian Moen uh, in second place. Matt Deitch in second. Scott yeah. Sturman in uh you oh, no, had a heck, no, you're in third, I'm yeah, in fourth. You had a heck of a tournament and moved yeah, up. You yeah, moved get, up a lot of spaces. The funny thing is, is that your bucket E angler must Gerald. Was it? He did a lot better than Ramsey's bucket E person because he picked the same exact same that's guys right. as you. That's right. <laughs> Except for that one. Yeah, no, that's that's funny. But hey, and I'll give a shout out to Bob Downey. Yeah, he, guess. he, he got, near cracked the final he day. Almost, yeah, he was, I think, the first one out. You know, what did he get, like 24th or something like that? So, yeah. you know, going down to your first classic like that. And yeah, he, he held his own. He dang right. Ain't nothing did, wrong with that. That was pretty cool to see him have some success down there. Fighter had an awesome tournament, another yep. northern angler. So The Canadians kind of struggled. They did a little bit. But they did. Gussie well, had a big bass, the one. Did he? I think he might have had big bass at the tournament. But No kidding, huh? Or up there, he had it close, but he only had like two that day. <laughs> right. But yeah, it was yeah. it was fun. It was good to see, and yeah, overall it was a good tournament. You just never know with Gunnersville what's going to happen. Right. Well, either way, hey, that's what, that. We got to give a shout out to uh, Melissa Grave. Yeah, Melissa Grave. Uh, uh, her husband Matt for sure uh, listens to this. Uh, Melissa and her mother-in-law from right right the next town over from us. Uh, Pam, they went, right? Was it Pam? Pam Grave. That could be. I think. Uh, they're from George, Iowa, and they went up to the uh, Women Anglers of Minnesota tournament and uh, cracked the dub. They got the win out of 70, 70 teams. Yeah, 70 teams. I think uh, there was like 46 fish weighed, and I believe they had like 25 of them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome to Never see been that. on that body of water before. Yeah, I think Lake Darling up in Alexandria area. So. Yeah, I looked through some of the ladies, and I mean, there's there was some recognizable names oh, yeah, on there. Oh, yeah, for so sure. They, they had, there was some hefty competition up there, and they yeah. showed out. You know, they represented it for Northwest Iowa. It just proves, what did, what did Dave Ginn say about the Iowa Great Lakes? Yeah, if you can catch fish on Okaboji, you can catch fish mm-hmm. anywhere. And that's what happened. They went up there, and they were like, I don't know why everybody's complaining about these. Yeah. We can't catch yeah. these fish. We got <laughs> They're this. Easy. So, huge congratulations to those ladies for winning that tournament. That's absolutely. pretty cool. Absolutely. So, well, with that, that is episode 63. We will see you next week on episode 64. See ya.